0: Hey everyone, it's The Lady J. Thanks so much for tuning in again to my new podcast, I Never Told You What I Do for a Living. This week is the second part of a two part episode with my friend Mike, who is a carer over in the UK. We cover a lot of ground in the second half of this conversation. I talk about my personal experiences being a caregiver to my mom and transitioning my mom over to professional care. And Mike talks about his opinions on the death and dying bill in the UK, which is about assisted suicide. So just know all of that before you go into this episode. If these are topics that are not for you, that's totally fine. Come back next week, but do what's right for you when it comes to listening to the topics that we cover on these episodes. Also, no, you're not hearing things. Yes, there is a tiny bird in the background of some of the audio. I tried to cut it out the best that I could. I'm sorry. No, you're not losing your mind. I just wanted to put that bit of a warning here at the beginning, but let's get right into the conversation on I Never Told You What I Do for a Living's episode number four with Mike the Carer. So here's a really strange question because I'm trying to find ways of um, like wrapping these things up. I asked Courtney for her to recommend a book to me. She was very angry that I put her on the spot like that, but I'm currently reading the book she recommended. So it couldn't have been that bad. So do you think that one day when you are an elderly person, if you were in a home, can you picture yourself bossing around your carer saying like, I got an award when I was your age and this is how you do it best?
1: Not that exactly, but carers are notoriously difficult clients. For starters, most carers, nurses, doctors do not actually look after their own health very well. Just look at the uh, smoking areas outside any care home or hospital. Carers are frazzled, they are run ragged, they are quite often mums and wives as well. And even though we live in a much more forward thinking, in theory, progressive world than we ever have done before. I work with a lot of women who are mums and who work while their kids are at school and then they go home and they make their husbands their dinner and, you know, they are never really off duty. There's just sometimes they're caring for the elderly, sometimes they're caring for their kids, sometimes they're caring for their husband. It is... I'm going to get quite deep on this question, I've just decided, because there's a lot, I think, about this. Um, We look after people who sometimes become widowed while we're looking after them, you know, a married couple will move in. Specifically, we often get a married couple moves in because one of them needs care. And the other one has been looking after them at home for goodness knows how long, you know, and has been sort of ill themselves because they're still old and they're still getting on, you know, have their illnesses. But they've been holding themselves together because their husband or wife is worse off. And they've been maybe feeding their husband who might be blind Or has dementia and they've been you know keeping them safe from wandering around the house or getting lost in the bathroom or going for walks without trousers on or whatever you know they they have been stressed out as a full-time carer for no pay just because that's what their lives have become they retired and then their partner got ill and it's not always dementia but you know it they, they could have developed parkinson's or something and suddenly you know they are no longer retired they are now looking after their husband and wife they move in we step in and start taking that load off and at first there's a bit of resentment that and sadness that they're not doing for their partner as much as they were and they feel like they're letting people down even though they're just they're just letting us do our job and we're taking on stuff that we should have been doing that they they have been doing for years but really shouldn't have been doing you know and then the poorly person the, the whichever side of the relationship was we were caring for gets ill and passes away and i think this is natural but the person the widow the survivor who has been a carer for their loved one for years becomes incredibly selfish and wants us to do everything for them, even things they're capable of doing. You know, we will. They can dry themselves, but we're doing it. They can cook, but we're cooking. They can organize their medication, but we're giving it. And it's not that they can't do it; it's that they just want some of that back that they've given for the last five years. And I completely understand it, so I don't ever feel like it's a problem. I I respect it. You know, it, I it's it's not every case but it's a surprising well it isn't it is it it happens a lot from my experience it's not selfish or lazy but it comes across that way it's just they're exhausted Uh, and they've been you know maybe wiping their husband's bottom after the toilet for five years and they just they just don't want to do anything now they're not you know and not to mention they're also grieving you know and uh going through a lot so it is it I I think it's quite natural to, once you depend a little, to quickly depend a lot at that age. And as carer, uh, I've looked after people who have lived in the care home that they worked in. That is not a good idea. I, I used to look after a woman who was the head of housekeeping at the care home in Manchester. And then she retired and then she got older and then she got unwell and she had dementia and she moved into the care home she worked in you could not tell her she lived there you could not tell her she wasn't still the head of housekeeping she was talking to the care the cleaners she was organizing their rotors. like she she just carried on doing the job but you know, people sort of made it work because it was how she was getting through the day. We weren't doing everything she was saying because some of it we couldn't. But, you know, within reason, it was humoured because it kind of, you know, it, it has to be. So I think if I've got more my marbles when I'm old, if I'm there because of a physical problem, I will probably be very empathetic to the carers that I see good personalities in you know a, a nice outlook friendlier way i will know if there's a carer i wouldn't have hired i'll know if there's a carer i wouldn't want as a colleague and i will probably be quite quick to pick them up on things they're doing wrong if i'm in there because i have developed alzheimer's or dementia i hope i'm a fucking nightmare <laughs> because it will just honestly like i've had i've had to clean shit out of a dishwasher so why shouldn't somebody else <laughs> you know um i've i've had um wet incontinence pads thrown at me <laughs> um, i've been bitten and stabbed and the one thing that's never happened to me as a male carer and i have been warned that it is very likely is accusations of something sexual or just something, but I—I I mean, you actually know me. uh I think because of the way I present myself and the way I am with clients, there is no, there is no aspect of that comes into play. Nobody—I I am not a man on duty. I am a carer, you know, carer first. Who, what I happen to be as a gender isn't particularly relevant to what I'm doing, unless they want something off a high shelf or a piece of furniture moving, then they want the boy. But you know, it's—I—it uh, it doesn't affect yeah um doesn't affect the job unless it sort of has to there are a couple of clients who are a little bit flirty because they're just because they're old it doesn't mean they they don't still want to feel like you know women and they don't just want to be you know just great nanny you know they're uh you know the ladies who do still enjoy wearing their makeup going out for lunches things like that and sometimes there is a little bit of a, a back and forth because they they enjoy it, and I'm rubbish at it. But I'm the, <laughs> only, the only man that works there, so that's that's what they get. But anyway, uh, yeah. To actually answer your question, I rambled a ton, uh, but I did warn you I was gonna. I yeah, I I I get the feeling I will, I will be very, I will I will notice everything, if I'm in a care home. I will pick up on everything because it's how I am now. I um. Even if it's something I can't change or I choose not to change, even if there's something wrong or if there's something right i will not i i i I pick up on it you know i i've also i once you know the clients for long enough you, you do but yeah i I will be very very thankful and gracious to good carers when I'm old definitely very thankful and gracious to the ones that are able to do the job with some respect and dignity and the ones that shout at old people or the ones that don't talk to me that just you know i don't know i i I will be able to sort the good from the bad very quickly and i and i get the feeling i will i will be pulling people up on bad practices and advising them on how to protect their back and legs and neck if they're trying to do you know any moving and handling techniques i i don't think i'll ever stop doing the job in my head
0: This is such an interesting conversation and part of the reason why I didn't do nearly as much talking as I did with Courtney, not just because Courtney and I both can't shut the fuck up, is because I did not want my experiences to taint this conversation in any way. Although it's really hard listening to you talk about it, not to want to interject with my own experiences, because obviously... Being a caregiver mm. to your parent is not the same thing as being a caregiver professionally, and should not be.
1: And no, and in similar conversation to something I said earlier, I couldn't do it. I've had a recent incident where, uh, as it turned out, it was not what it could have been, but a bit of a scare with my mum's health. For the night where I thought it was true, um, I knew I couldn't... I. I could not be the one to deliver that care because it was my mum. So we have very opposite experiences of the same role, you know, and uh, I couldn't have done what you did for sure. And I, I know it. In the past, I didn't know it, but now I know it. I couldn't have done it. And not with my dad either, not with a family member. It just wouldn't. It just wouldn't work. I would need to trust the industry that I'm in to get it right and keep a very close eye on it to make sure it is going right. But I couldn't be physically involved. And it might be that, you know, being a son rather than a daughter, uh, maybe it would be different if it was my dad, but I don't think it would be. I just, yeah. I remember when my granddad first went into care after having a stroke, it was a very strange experience because I was a carer working in a nursing home. And then I went to see my granddad in a different nursing home, but he was in, you no. Know, I could see his care plan. I could see his thickened drink, you know, uh, I could see all these things that were just a part of my job, not a part of my home life. And suddenly they were all around my granddad and I found that really. Much more upsetting than I let on at the time, because I also was well aware that my family did not know what to do or what was going to happen or what was going on, and I was the only one who was working in care, so they were all sort of looking to me for some i wouldn't say direction but like at least comfort that when I walked in and go, "Oh yes, this is all normal, this is okay, this is how you this is how it should be, you know for his care and his needs, and so I was able to do that because he was in a really good care home but I couldn't have been involved. So in a way if we wanted to flip the whole thing round we could easily do the exact same questions the exact same conversation where I ask you about what you did because it would be completely different answers and responses because I I it's a different world when it's your own family I think.
0: Well and I think the a major difference between well I have to assume anyway right is that there there's no information there's no guide, like there's no training. There's no, No. nobody has given you any kind of insight into this is the way we deal with X, Y, and Z. Like the, the, for me, the best thing that existed while I was taking care of my mom was the Alzheimer's. So our version of like a major Alzheimer's organization is the Alzheimer's association where in the UK, I think it's Alzheimer's society, right? It is. Yeah. Their message board is incredible because it's just people who are doing the same thing who have like, this is the solution that worked for me, you should try it. Or like, this is the way to keep their clothes on, right? Things that like zip up the back and stuff like that. Just stuff you would never in a million years think of as solutions to really strange. And also the the thing about care, especially like dementia and Alzheimer's care, is that A lot of times the problem is your perception of what life should be like.
1: Absolutely. And
0: trying to maintain that is, and finding the right balance between those things. Because the other thing that I was thinking about while we've been talking are the carers who have taken the best care of my mom since I have relinquished that role. And... Mm. Right now she's in a nursing home and the person, this woman, Carol, who's amazing with my mom, the thing that she does that goes, in my opinion, like above and beyond is that so being that we are of Italian heritage, we are Mediterranean women, which means that we're all bearded, right? By the time we're like 35, she shaves my mom every day Mm. because it would bother my mother to walk around like that. If she was not ill, she would never leave the house without doing something about the hair on her face. And so Carol has picked up on that. And that is a thing that like, she's not going to tweeze my mom's eyebrows because that's, frankly, it's torturous to people who are not ill, but she Mm. can shave my mom's face without bothering her. She puts nice lotion on her. My mother has amazing skin and God willing, I will inherit that skin. But those little things and like the fact that, so one of the, the big, like, do you maintain conversations was about bras because like eventually bras began to feel like they were suffocating her and so Mm. I finally just said to my dad like why don't we just put a camisole on her and there's still a layer underneath her top and she's still wearing them those little things make can make all the difference in the world, whether it's to the person or just to their family, to be like, someone is paying enough attention to the way this person was when they came in here. And they Mm. have maintained that through the like year and a half that she has been there.
1: It's some of the stuff you've said is is a big part of our dementia awareness training. Um so you would be sort of I think you were you were actively maybe through the message boards or maybe through just the fact that obviously you know your mum really well getting it right by just being the right person to be doing it and that's sort of a part of person-centered care which is the big phrase over here for care work at the moment it's person-centered care what works for beryl what works for john won't work for harry and you've just got to tailor the care to the client uh, and it's the client is you know that it, it, everybody's different Every client, two clients with the same diagnosis that has the same care plan, you'll still need to do it all completely differently because they're different people. Um. So that is, I mean, this Carol was it the lady who helps your mum with her? Yeah, Carol. Carol, brilliant. Love that woman because that's that's exactly the point of the job. You know that that you get rid of that. There's no point in her job description. Does it say? you do that there's personal care and that is all about hygiene and infection control and keeping people clean and safe and healthy is not about grooming or image it, it doesn't have to be the job doesn't have to be if you want it to be you're a good carer if if it's important to the client and you know it's important I've i've got a client who likes to um, have certain things matching he's a gentleman and he's lovely and he was very prim and proper and then he had a stroke and a lot went out the window in terms of what he he was bothered about but you are still you know yeah when picking things out if you pick out something he doesn't want to wear he's he's not gonna say no i don't like it because he just doesn't want to be a burden so i just i remember what he looked like before he had the stroke and i picked clothes out accordingly and it's that what you were doing what carol was doing you know what your dad was doing is, yeah, it's just about knowing the person and knowing what, what, what their wishes would be, what how to support emotionally as well as medically and physically. It's such a big part of the job. So, yeah, that, that kind of thing is is so important in the training. And I also think, to be honest, as a carer, and you you went in the hardest end of it, looking after your own mum with zero training, zero support. You weren't working. You were doing it, you know, at home. It wasn't like you could speak to your manager about it or talk to a colleague about it, you know, so message boards being a godsend brilliant, I'm so glad there are ways of people supporting you know um because going back to the clients I mentioned where they you know an old lady in her eighties looking after her now poorly husband who is in his early nineties, she's not going online and looking at message boards, she's having a nervous breakdown whilst he's chucking his pants out the window and not eating and not drinking and shouting at her and demanding to know who his wife is. You know, that is yeah, uh that I don't really have a point. I've just sort of it it's linked it just linked in my head. Support is so important. And um, whether it is an online message board or even just someone to just come round and go, just go out for a couple of hours. I've I'll be here with, you know, whoever just just go and have a cup of tea
0: we, and, uh, we actually had yeah. for for a long time the woman who came in there was a really really lovely woman at the beginning but she had to leave for her own reasons and then we had a series of unfortunate events and then we had this lovely woman Letitia, who continues to to visit my mother in the nursing home she's amazing oh. and she has been so good to my dad and We're very, like, we're very different. She's very religious, which was not really a part of, religion has not been a part of my adult or like young adult life. But that did not stop her from providing my mother and my father with excellent care and just being, and the other thing too was that she was like, she has always said to my father, cause she always contacts us at holidays and stuff like that. And then like once a like season gets in touch with my dad to just ask how everything's going or whatever. And she'll pop into the nursing home to see my mom. But she always says like, you guys made me feel like part of your family because she was, she was mm-hmm. a part of my, you have to think about someone who's coming into your home and folding your underwear. Well, not my underwear, but like my mother's underwear as part of your family, because if you can't, then there will always be a barrier between allowing that person to give your loved one the best possible care and like your hangups, whatever they may be. And it's, it's totally fair to say that the series of unfortunate carers that we had in the middle might've just been people that we weren't ready to let into our lives. And that's what part of why it didn't work out. But this woman, I was ready to go when she showed up. Like I was ready to move on with my life. That was the point that I was at and she showed up at the exact right moment being the person that she was to fill that space for me and for my father and for my my mom liked her too. Like this woman would just talk to my mom. Letitia would put music on and she would sing and my mom would dance. And like they, she would just talk to my mom, like, even though she couldn't answer her anymore. Like that was amazing. And I think people One, I get it. It can be really expensive if you don't have the coverage for it. And two, people just don't want to let strangers into their house. But like, sometimes it can be an amazing experience because you get a part of your life back. And sometimes a stranger is actually capable of providing better care than you can because of all the stuff we just talked about. Yeah. You go home to your own life and stuff and you don't you're not trying to make that your person be what they were before they got sick.
1: There's an objectivity that you, uh, yeah, you, you, you gain something from sort of being fresh on the scene. Um, and as strange as it sounds, this, this sounds really impersonal, but getting to know your mum solely as having Alzheimer's or dementia, or whichever one it, it is, you know, it's, um i i don't know I, I don't know quite how to phrase it but timing is the thing you 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 mentioned in there you were you were ready and that's something that you you can't you can't rush i think what i was saying about the clients who give up caring for their loved ones because yeah they have to because it's time you know if it's if they move in and it's still not time we don't rush in there you know we have to wait mm-hmm. um You know, there's still certain jobs like we might do the medication, but a a woman will still want to help her husband eat, you know, Uh, or a husband might want us to help his wife shower. But he will. He's got everything else, you know, under Mm -hmm. control until he can't anymore. And, yeah, it's about about the timing. Um, That's another reason why I knew I was going to be no good with my own mum and it is still you know potentially something i you know any of us can deal with in the future is uh, is um having to deal with our parents getting older and needing more support but i was instantly thinking about things way too far in advance um because of my job and it would actually get in the way of me being objective um uh and just you know i i In one night, even though my mum does not have the illness that my sister thought she did, I, in one night whilst dwelling on it, I was thinking about do not resuscitate orders and thinking about all sorts of elements of care that I turned my mum into a client. I I started building the care plan in my mind. And then I wouldn't be her son anymore in my own head. Uh, And I just, that's not... That's not 100% how I feel. Some people can get it absolutely right, but I didn't. I didn't because of the. I think if I if I if it wasn't what I did for a living, maybe I could have stepped in and done it. But because it's what I do for a living, I can't do it at home. I, an old phrase that I, I used to break out for a laugh, uh, just, just is just as a silly is, um, I get paid to care. So guess what? Unless you pay me, I don't fucking care. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's actually quite true in a, in in terms of the job uh, uh you know not true exactly because obviously i have empathy i care about a lot of people and i don't you know it's not my job but in terms of dealing with my family i couldn't i just couldn't there's there was there a barrier in me and i know and i know it's there that i just couldn't do it Yeah, it's a you might have been doing physically exactly the same thing that i was doing you wouldn't have had the support but you just had the right idea and you had love so you knew you had to do it because you're your mum how can you not do it you know um had you been a carer for 12 years prior and always worked in a nursing home you might have gone around about it completely differently had i never been a carer i might have been able to you know step in it's Life experience is, is such a factor. Um, being the right kind of person for the job, I I often say to new recruits, the training is important, but no matter how much training you give, you're either the right person or you're not. You know, you've either got it in you or you haven't. Um, and
0: you're going to find and out really fast. And you're going to
1: find out. You're going to find out the first time there is a sickness and diarrhea outbreak in, <laughs> in the care home whether or not you've got it or you haven't. You know, or the first time you deal with a death it was dealing with a death that made me i think a good carer for some people it's the day they leave so yeah it's very it's very subjective because it's humans dealing with humans you can't i i can have a really shitty day at home but i i won't let it affect the clients i've worked with people who have severely let it affect their job i've worked with people who have had much worse days than i've ever had. And they've still got the smile on their face and they're dealing with the clients like it, you know, the client is the most important thing in the world at that moment because they are. So it's a very strange, it's a very strange job. I could have just said that and saved us both an hour and a half, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really weird job, Jay.
0: <laughs> but it's a really important job.
1: Oh, absolutely. A really I mean, important job. We're living and... longer as well nowadays, you know, where everyone's full of statins and, steroid creams and we're keeping people alive longer than they ever have been before we're keeping people alive in more medically dire straits than ever before illnesses that would have killed us off even 20 years ago aren't killing us off now more people are reaching 100 than ever before more people are needing care but there is a knock-on effect that is really sad and it's a strange it's a strange thing it sort of veers off the care work side of it but, you know, people grow up, they get their jobs, they save their money, they buy their house, they have their children. Their plan is to, the home, you know, their family home goes to their kids or there's an inheritance or there's, you know, there's money for their children, be it in the will or be it in property or be it in whatever. Then they get ill and then they have to go into care and they spend all their savings on care. And then they're 90 and they thought they'd be dead by now because they had a stroke when they were 72, but they get kept alive because they are on incredible super medication now that didn't exist when they were, when they had the stroke, you know, that exists now. And so they're, they're, they're approaching 95 and they've run out of money and now the state is paying for their care and they may as well have not saved any money in the first place. May as well just live their lives and, gone on more holidays and bought more Jaguars because they there's nothing for their kids and they're still alive. And it's a horrible situation. It's a really strange one where like, there's a big argument in this country at the moment about the um, dignity and dying and assisted dying bill. And it is illegal, as you can probably imagine. Um, there is no such thing as assisted suicide um, you will go to prison if you are found guilty of assisting anybody to end their life that's why you know um, dignitas exists in switzerland so people can i've actually looked after a client who uh whose wife took him there um and i packed all his things up on his last day uh when he gave notice on his care home room and we found out that his wife was taken him to dignitas and that was weird that was strange. That was that was harder to deal with than when they die in front of me. Mostly because I was so angry that he is not allowed to die the way he wants in his own home. That he has to move abroad. That at 85 years old with Parkinson's disease and uh, various other things wrong with him, that he has to get on a plane or maybe even go by boat. I don't think he was allowed on a plane. I think he had to sail to Switzerland. Well, not sail, go in a ferry, you know what I mean? But, you know, some, you know, a lot of my clients have do not resuscitate orders. They don't want to be brought back because of whatever reason. You don't even have to be ill. I mean, a lot of nurses decide on that very young before they're even ill. They decide they don't want a DNA form in place, do not attempt resuscitation because they don't want to live post whatever it was that meant they needed resuscitating you know uh the the rehab or the 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 loss of whatever has gone you know is too much for them uh and there have been nurses who have do not attempt resuscitation tattooed on their chest um wow to be sure i mean you need a contract. That 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 does not hold up in the court of law. You also need to have a, a signed doctor's note saying you do not want it. And a doctor would really, really be resitant in uh, signing that unless you were already essentially terminally ill or on end of life care. Um or up past a certain age, you know. But uh I look after a lot of clients who who have it. I am an advocate for the um dignity and dying bill to be passed, not to be used flippantly but in a way, we kind of already do it a little bit. Doctors can come see clients who are bed bound and in pain, and they can put in a syringe driver, a 24 hour drip of constant pain relief. So once the syringe driver is in place and the medication's going in, that is essentially your death sentence. Um, but it's out of care and respect and dignity. Um, you know, these are people who are not able to swallow food anymore, or people who are severely dehydrated can't you know they are going to be dead very soon let's make it painless and the amount of sedative within their medication means they go to sleep and they don't wake up and then they're gone and it's the most respectful way to go I've never known it go wrong you know it's 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 it is essentially assisting them to die but legally but I just think there needs to be more um more to it than that you know because uh, uh, it only ever happens once you're already lived in agony for quite a long time and you you've already dehydrated and malnourished because you can't you know it, it it's only what happens once everything else has failed and some people just don't want to live through that last couple of years or year or whatever it is you know mm-hmm. um and i yeah you know, you've just got to respect it uh I've, I've looked after clients who've told me flat out that they haven't killed themselves because they physically can't, so they're still alive, and it is just awful. To, but I have got an understand. I, I've I've found a real respect for people's opinions on it, and I also really, really respect the other side of it because there are plenty of folk for whom this, even as a conversation, is too much. You know, and I, you know, we have clients who sometimes say they wish they weren't here anymore, and you can tell, like in, in there are really good carers who will say, Oh, don't be so silly. You know, don't, don't be so silly. You're lovely. You're doing a lovely job. Think of all the good things going on. That's not what that client wants to hear. They're really good carers, but that's not, they just want to hear. Yeah. I, I, I hear you, you know, I, I get it. I understand. Uh, if the shoe were on the other foot, I'd feel the same way. And then there's that shared empathy. And then you can talk about it and sometimes talking about it is enough. And sometimes it can lead to an actual improvement because then maybe talking about it identifies where they're feeling a problem and maybe they need antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication or we just need to give a a medication review, you know. um, So always talk about it. That's no subject at that point should ever be taboo because it might be holistically that subject might be the clincher to quality of life. And quality of life is much more important than quantity of life.
0: So can I, I, I know I've said like one more thing, but
1: I'm really enjoying this conversation. That's fine.
0: So what what are your thoughts about potentially doing this job in another country? Like say a country that doesn't have universal healthcare.
1: Um, it's going to be eye opening. It's going to be heartbreaking. Uh, I'm up for the challenge, partly because I have to be, but also I I think that might also be where I start to take more seriously the idea of working in rehabilitation and and therapy um rather than the the, the that you know that end of the spectrum I I've, I've seen a lot of people leave hospital and nurse them through to death maybe I can start looking after people leaving hospital and just going home you know um I I think every country has its completely different some countries don't have care regulation at all because it doesn't really exist a lot of lot of countries don't really operate a care system exactly they certainly don't have anything organized through government funding or government anything um every care home in america will be private uh or owned by a business or a company they might be wonderful companies charitable organizations all sorts of things but you know it's not through social care as far as I'm aware, whereas in this country it's sort of no matter what social care will step in at some point if it's needed, and the funding isn't there, but we will find a way you know so eye opening but up for the challenge i I care about the sort of the front line of the job more than I do the office side of things, so in terms of going into work and helping. X amount of people get up, wash, dress, eat, medication, something to do for the day, pop to the loo, go to the bed, change their pads, etc. The bread and butter of the job isn't gonna be different. The the way my manager's job would be different, I don't really even know how that would be yet. You know, I, I won't know till I'm in the system, I don't think. But everyone gets old there is no country that is uh, immune to it, um, and
0: we've got significantly more of them here than just because we have more people here.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, crikey, when I first looked at, let's pick a place at random. Let's say Lombard. I when I first <laughs> uh, when I first looked at uh, the district of Chicago, Lombard, there are about fifteen care facilities within quite an easy walk or bike ride of the local library you know so and that's like the middle of the community it's like slap bang in the center of that town there is so i mean even next door to it there's a rehab facility few doors down there's an assisted living block of flats where it's like warden controlled care rather than a team of carers there are people on hand if you press your pendant and unless you press your pendant you won't get you know anyone in your flat but if you press it they'll come and help you um there is there is a myriad of different options and there's more options Uh, over here there is not as many different types of care it's categorized fairly black and white you're either old or you are young but disabled or you are a child and need support like there is not there is not much separation um which does lead to problems of lumping similar issues or conflicting issues and illnesses in one building. I mean, when I was talking about that place I worked at where it was sort of young adults all the men sort of aged 18 to about 50. Some of the older men were there because they had been predatory and some of the younger men were there because they were childlike. It was an issue that hadn't really been considered and uh, it was crazy. I it was crazy. So I'm um, to be in a system where everything is bigger and separate and privately funded, I think could have benefits. But they're as I said, I don't know until I get there. But I'm excited for seeing a different side of it all. And, and it then, might be sorry, you yeah, carry on.
0: Well, I was just gonna say, and then we'll have to have this conversation all over again because you will probably <laughs> yeah. have a very different I'm not saying that you'll suddenly become like horribly jaded or anything, but you'll probably have a very different perspective on it based on how yeah. that that system works and like i said there's still the potential for really amazing caregivers my mom has one right now but Mm. like it's definitely a different a different experience
1: absolutely i mean you know you have to you have to be able to fund it for starters um and like i say i don't i don't think the nitty-gritty of the job doesn't change a huge amount but um but the way the whole system works around it will be so fundamentally different it'll be interesting to see yeah i'm i'm intrigued by it i'm not scared of it i'm not pessimistic about it it's just a different way of doing things and i you know i'm up for the i'm up for the challenge but as you say a year in maybe i'll be a bit jaded i might find that it, it's a system that feels like screaming into a void it might be that things get worse rather than better and it might be that I decide to do something a bit different and you know um, I know a nurse over there who's already said she'd happily be um, a reference for me if I wanted to do something in a hospital um, without being a carer and that is without being a nurse sorry and that is being a a, a care assistant you know uh, maybe working nights on the ward where you know, the elderly are or working uh, whilst nights there, whilst also training in the occupational therapy and rehab a couple of days a week. You know, there there are options. There are many more options open here that I haven't chosen not to follow, and there are many more options in America that I might have to follow. You know, I, I just I just don't know what's going to happen yet. But it's there's there's no harm in finding out. That's very true. The way I, yeah, it's the way I kind of look at it, you kind of have to. I'm very much the kind of guy. It's uh, if there's if there's something that I will, at the very least, give it a look. You know, um, just out interest. You know, if you just yeah, you don't know, tell you, tell you, tell you look. So we'll see what we see. Yeah, it, it does. You know, it, it it is a bit scary. But to be honest, there are other aspects of moving to a whole other country that are scary in a different way. So you know.
0: Like possibly being run over course. by looking the wrong way when you cross the
1: road. Uh, yeah, that for sure. <laughs> you know, I, I, my, um, survival rate in this country is relatively high. Um, not you yeah, who knows, <laughs> who knows. But uh, yeah, just being being somewhere completely different and much bigger. Um, I I've been in the suburbs a few times. Lovely. I love the city. I love being like lost in the streets of London and having a lovely time. Chicago was daunting. Even the second or third time I was in the actual city center, I was so, I felt so lost, you know, um, and not in a negative way. Cause I had someone with me who knows exactly where they were or knew exactly what to look for, to find the way Or you. Know, but I just felt quite small. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that'll only change with um repetition. So yeah, but um that's the thing, you know, there are there are other things to worry about about emigrating to America that the job I do I feel is quite universal. And unless I choose to manage a care home or get the qualifications to manage a care home, that aspect of it isn't likely to affect my day to day. The you know, financial changes and the I don't know, hopefully not, but I'll find out when I get there. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm really glad we had this conversation and I'm, I'm going to end it now before we get cut off one more time, but this was really lovely. Thank you for talking to me all about being a carer. I really enjoyed it. Oh my God. Did we really just get cut off when I said, thank you. Fuck, (laughs) That's amazing. Got to end on a high note, right? Mike and I covered a lot of really deep, deep topics So I'm glad that it ended with a little bit of humor, even if it wasn't intentional. If you would like to talk about any of the topics that we discussed this week, you can always get at me on Twitter, at TheLadyJSays. You can get at me on Instagram, at slays, And you can always email me at TheLadyJSays at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, rate, review, shout it from the rooftops, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your mom's mom, tell your brother-in-law's mom i don't know tell lots of people about it would you that would be really great next week's episode is with a friend of mine who lives in a totally opposite direction she lives on the west coast and it's a little sillier it's a little bit of a sillier conversation and i'm very excited to share it with you so i'll see you all next week bye